All right, well, it's good to be back with you guys this week. We did enjoy our time down in Texas, but we are always glad to be back with our home church. And so I hope you guys are doing well today. I know we've got a few that are out today that are sick, but uh, we press on. <laughs> and so we're, we're pressing on in, in Luke. Today we're finishing chapter 6. Uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, we will read that here in just a moment. And the title of the message is, Are You a Pretender? Are You a Pretender? This is really a warning. This, he, he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount in Luke's account. And it's really, this passage is really, it's, been, it's just been kind of escalating towards this climax. It's obviously the greatest sermon ever preached. Not this one, but Christ. <laughs> when He preached it. And it's really a warning against antinomianism. You guys know what antinomianism is? Okay. So, so it comes from two Greek words. Anti meaning against. Uh, nomos meaning law, so it's so it, in other words, it's against God's law. So it's like this. This will help you understand what it means when you see people who profess the name of Christ. They profess to be a Christian, but their mindset is this: this whole antinomian mindset is that there are no moral laws that God expects Christians to obey. Right? I'm saved by grace. That's kind of the idea behind antinomianism. I'm saved by grace, and I don't have to obey God. And there's something wrong with that picture. <laughs> because the Christian, the true believer, because God is at work in him, will desire to obey God's law, right? Not to be saved, we're already saved. But, but because we love God. We, we have His Bible, we read His Bible, we want to obey. So that's the whole world, that, that's what that word means. Paul was dealing with this very thing back in his day. You don't have to turn there, but in Romans chapter 6, that's really what that whole chapter was about. In Romans 6, verses 1 through 1 and 2, listen to what Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. You hear that? Because this is what he was, this was the pushback he was getting. He said, How shall we who died to sin still live in it? No, guys, of course not. We don't, we don't sin as Christians so that, oh, God will just give me more grace, so I'm just going to sin more. Paul says, by no means. That's that antinomian mindset. It's really known in our day, guys, it's easy believism. Maybe you've heard of that, right? It's, it's easy believism. It's salvation without repentance, right? You just, just, just believe. Just believe. Sometimes in the Bible it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Sometimes it says, repent and you'll be saved. Sometimes it says, repent and believe. But church, I think you guys probably know this, but saving faith is repentant faith. <laughs> Repentance and faith always go together. Repentance is a turning. It's a turning to something or someone. Jesus Christ. So repentance and faith are like, they're, they're called, I think it was Wayne Grudem in his book on systematic theology called it the, it's the same, it's the same, uh, I'm getting it wrong now. What's that? Two, yeah, two sides of the same coin. They're, they're, they're joined at the hip, right? I mean, you can't turn to Jesus Christ without turning away from sin. That's the whole point. So it's, it's salvation without repentance. It's the, it's the mindset of, well, Christ is my Savior, but He's not my Lord. <laughs> no, Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, is have you submitted to Him? Have you bowed the knee? So that's what this antinomian mindset is. That's what He's... That's what we see in our day. That's really, that's really uh, 
really what Christ is going to be driving at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so we want to look at this, guys. Uh, this is the text we come to today. And so, there, are, and it's really important. Obviously, Jesus preached it. It was important in His day. It's important, important in our day because there are many pretenders in our day. Obviously, I would hope that no one is a pretender here. But if you are, please, please listen to the Word of God today. I know I was a pretender for many years. And so, obviously, we'll have other people listen to this, that God may open the eyes of maybe somebody who is a pretender. So, let's look at the text now. Luke 6, 46, 49. I've been saying throughout this sermon that I didn't know if it was the same sermon as in Matthew, but I think it is, because I I noticed when I was looking at chapter 7, preparing for next week, that it it says he's... he's, uh, he went to Capernaum, and it says the same thing in Matthew. So I think it is the same sermon, just a condensed, condensed version. But let's look at it. Verses 46 through 49. Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred... The torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come to Your Word today. Father, uh, we come in fear and trembling to Your Word, Father, but we also come rejoicing, Lord, because You have given us Your Word. So, Father, help us to, uh, wherever we're at, to take heed to Your Word, Lord. Father, I pray that this, this passage would give much comfort and assurance, Lord, to Your people. Father, for somebody who maybe thinks that they're yours and they're not, God, I pray that Your Spirit would use this passage to awaken them, God. To draw them to Yourself, God. To grant them repentance. But Father, You know what each one of us needs. And Father, even as Christians, we need this passage. We need to be reminded of what the true Gospel is so that we can minister to those who are deceived. So Father, I thank You for Your Word. Every word of it. We love You today, God. And we praise Your holy name. And we ask, we ask all of this in your Son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we met a couple weeks ago, guys, we had, um, we had just looked at the, obviously the verses above it, uh, where he was talking about the good tree and the bad tree. And so, you know, obviously there wasn't verses back then and chapters. So, so Jesus is just continuing his thought. We're picking up where he left off, where, where he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In verse 46. But think about it, we were up in verse 43, he says there, in verse 43, he said, there is no good tree which produces bad fruit. We talked about that last time. He says, on the other hand, a bad, or, uh, nor on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. So he gets to verse 46, why are you calling me Lord? That's the, that's what he's doing here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, your life, some of you, your life is characterized by bad fruit. Why are you calling me Lord? When your life is a, it, 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 it is, a, is a life of bad fruit, disobedience to me, why do you call me Lord? You ever meet people like that? 
Why do you, why do you, call, why do you profess the name of Jesus Christ? That's what, he's, that's, that's what this question is. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Your, your life is full of rotten fruit. Your life is characterized by bad fruit. You profess me, right? You call me Lord with your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth? Profanity. You're living in fornication, right? It's the, I love Jesus. I'm living with my boyfriend, living with my girlfriend, these type of things. That's what he's getting at. The same is true in our day. Why do you call me Lord? You don't even have a desire to do what I say. That's, that's what he's saying. Guys, God, and I know you guys know this. You guys have heard it. Some of you, some of you maybe haven't. But God saved me out of this kind of life, this deceived life, where I used to profess Christ with my mouth. But my life was a, a life of rotten fruit. And if you think about Matthew's account, guys, because look here, in verse 46, look, it's a present tense. Why do you call me Lord? Lord, and do not do what I say. In Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, listen to Matthew 7. Jot these verses down if you're taking notes. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. The Lord says, Many will say to me, this is on that day, on that day, this is the day of judgment. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, there it is again. Lord, Lord, look at us, right? We did all these things in your name. But this is on the day of judgment. This is not now. This is on that day. They're still saying, Lord, Lord. And what does Jesus say? I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this whole idea that Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Sadly for many, it's going to continue until the day of judgment. And then it's too late. You don't want to be on that day crying out, Lord, Lord, and Jesus say, I don't know you. You're a stranger. But in Matthew 7, he says, he says depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's that antinomianism. You profess me with your mouth. And I gave you my word. And you lived your life as if I gave you no law, no word. That's antinomianism. That's lawlessness. And our, our culture is full of those people. It's full of them. Do we not see it every time on the streets? And I know Jesus as they're cursing you out. As they're doing everything they can to stop the gospel being preached. But I love Jesus. There's something wrong with that picture. And Jesus is, that's what He's talking about today. Why do you call me Lord? Look at verse 47. Everyone who comes to me, I mean, and just think about this, guys. I know already this is the this is the the end, you could say the climax of the greatest sermon ever preached by God Himself. So let's let's perk up our ears. He said, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. Verse 47. So in other words, church, we don't want to just hear the word. Amen? It's not enough to just hear the Word. You know who else hears the Word every time it's preached? Either the devil or at least some of his demons, they hear the Word. They know the Word. We don't want to be like that, right? There's many, you know, many people come to church, they just show up and they hear. They just show up and they hear and they think, well, I come to church and I heard the Word, so somehow I must be right with God. That's what he's saying. No, look at it. He said, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and what? Acts on them. So we don't want to be the person that just acts on them. 
or, or just hears. We want to be the person who hears and acts on them. What does acts on them mean? Obedience. It's James. James 1.22. Be not only hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. That's what Jesus is saying. Sounds like James listened to his Lord. <laughs> so we don't want to get those mixed up, right? Obedience and faith. Obedience doesn't produce saving faith. Amen? But rather, saving faith produces obedience. Get them in the right order. We get those out of order, and all of a sudden, uh, we're uh, false teachers. <laughs> but look what he says in verse 47. He says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. Jesus says, I will show you whom he is like. In other words, guys, he's, he, he's saying... I'm going to show you what a true Christian looks like. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to show you what a true Christian looks like. Everyone who comes to Me and hears My Word and acts on them, I will show you whom He is like. In other words, listen up. Jesus is saying, I'm about to tell you something important. So He's saying that to us today too, guys. Let's listen up, church. Jesus is going to tell us. He's going to explain to us what a real Christian looks like. You know, no matter what subject you're dealing with, if you, want to, if you want to know something about a certain subject, don't you want somebody who knows what they're talking about? You want somebody who's like an expert in it, right? I mean, I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing football. I still, still watch football. And I don't know if you guys, you know, where you're at with sports, but there, there's a thing called an armchair quarterback. And that's the guy who's sitting in his recliner screaming at the TV, you know, telling that quarterback, you're, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're doing. I'm sitting here in my recliner. <laughs> Listen, if I was just starting to play the game of football and I want to learn how to play quarterback, I would not go to armchair quarterback. I would seek somebody out like Tom Brady, who's an expert in it. Right? Any area of life. Guys, I don't care what your opinion is or my opinion is or anybody else's opinion is of what the Bible says, what a real Christian is. I want to know what Jesus says. Amen? And that's what He's saying. I will tell you what He is like or what this man is like, this, this true Christian. And so, if you follow along in an outline, there are two short little points on the back. Verses 48 and verses 49. We're going to look at the true Christian in verse 48 and the pretender in verse 49. And so a question for you. A question for you. It's not on the it's not on the not on the outline, but here's the question. How can you know whether you are a true Christian or just a pretender? Because beloved, eternity hinges upon this. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. Eternity hinges upon this this whole question of what is a real Christian. So let's look at what it says in verse 48. The true Christian, verse 48. He says, He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a builder. I'm not a construction guy. So I'm sure guys could give better illustrations of what, of what all that language is. But, you know, I think you get the picture... You know, a house built upon a rock requires some digging, some, some hard work, some sweat, <laughs> some cost, labor, self-denial, that type of stuff. So many, many would, they would love to just avoid all this. Right? Let's just build it on the sand, man. It's a lot easier. That's the point here. That's what he's saying. Just build it on the sand. 
It's easy. We want easy. You know, many people are like that with the gospel. I just want easy, man. Just tell me about Jesus. Tell me the prayer. I'll pray the prayer. It'll be done. Now I can go on. I'll add Jesus to my life. But it's just this easy, quick. <laughs> we live in a microwave society, do we not? It's like, man, what? I've got I've to heat my food up for two minutes. It takes two minutes. Man, this microwave I had, the microwave I had before, he could heat that up in a minute and 30 seconds. Just this <laughs> lazy and patient. We, let's see here. Uh, kind of split maybe. Some, some of you know what I'm saying when, when I say we used to watch TV without a remote control. You'd have to get up from the chair and walk over to it. We're just lazy people. We want it, we want it now, right? We want it now. But we don't want to do this with our spiritual life. We want to get it right. Everyone is a builder in this parable, guys. Everyone's a builder, especially those, those who have heard the gospel. <laughs> especially those who have heard the gospel, which in our, in our culture, most people have heard the gospel. What are you building on? There's only, there's only two kinds of builders here. It's either on the sand or the rock. It's like we talked about a few weeks ago. The, uh, oh, now I forgot the word. The, uh, uh, well, never mind. Uh, Jesus really dealing in twos, right? Remember the comparison, dealing in twos? I, I, don't, I forget the word, so I'll just go on. But it's in, in, in uh, Matthew 7, it's really similar. This, this whole, are you building on sand? Or are you building on rock? In Matthew's account, before he gets to this part, he talked about what? The narrow path and the wide. He said, enter by the narrow gates. Right? For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. He said only a few find it. He said, enter by that narrow gate. Do you know everybody, beloved, is either on the wide path, the wide road, or the narrow. Christ is the narrow. That's it. Enter by me, He says. I am the door. Whoever enters by me will be saved. Every other, every other way is part of the wide path. Even somebody who said, well, I haven't decided. You're on the wide road. Until you enter that narrow gate, you're on the wide path. So that's really what he's dealing with here. And he uses this word in verse 48. We're looking at the true, the true Christian. He says he's like a man building a house who dug deep. Dug deep and laid a foundation. Dug deep. See, the guy on the sand didn't dig deep, right? He wants it easy. But he dug deep. This could... This could this could be digging deep into the Scriptures. Not saying you like got to know the whole Bible to be saved. Not that. But it's what does God's Word say? It's somebody who actually heeds God's Word. What does God's Word say about these things? Because church, your opinion, and my opinion, is like sand. <laughs> Our opinion doesn't matter. What does God's Word say about what a Christian is? That's what this man is. He's digging deep. He's taking, he's taking the Word of God serious. What does God's Word say? How can I be right with God? According to God, not according to my opinion or anybody else's. It's also digging deep. It's, it's, it's a person that's digging deep into his own heart. Right? It's, you try to share the Gospel with somebody. And, oh yeah, I've already done that. And they're just living in a lifestyle of sin. No, the true Christian is somebody who has looked into his heart. 
Looked at, because what do we find when we look into our heart? Jesus tells us in Matthew 15, 19. Out of the heart comes what? Good stuff? No. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. If a person will honestly look into their heart, that's what they're going to find. And then they're going to start seeing their need for a Savior. And this is hard work in a sense. It's hard work in a sense. It's, it's, that's, what, that's what he says. Agonizing to enter the kingdom of God because you have to, first of all, deal with your sin that I'm a sinner. That's unpleasant. It's serious reflection upon your sinful condition. That's what it is. This digging deep. And you know what that, you know what that leads to? What is that, what is that, what is that type of reflection upon your sinful condition lead to? It leads to what must I do to be saved? Somebody rescue me. That's what it leads to. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's not a flippant prayer, right? The sinner's prayer? No, it's none of that. But it's I need Christ because I am so wretched and judgment's coming. I'm willing to forsake all if I could just have Christ. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry for my sin. I repent, Lord. I believe. I need Him. Oh, I need Jesus Christ. I'm in, I'm in eternal danger without Him. I want Him. What? He'll forgive me? Really? He'll forgive me? Yes, be merciful to me, God. It's that desperation. This is the new birth. This is the new birth. Beloved, it produces obedience. It produces obedience. It produces a genuine love for Christ. That's what a Christian is. Amen? Sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Keith Green years ago said in one of the songs, or when he was talking between songs, he said, a Christian is somebody who's bananas for Jesus. Amen? Are you bananas for Jesus? That's what a Christian is. Somebody who loves Jesus. If there is no love for Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian. I mean, obviously, that's an obvious statement. John 14, 15, but what does it mean to love Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Have warm, fuzzy feelings about me? No. You will keep my commandments. You will obey me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he says, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That whole intimate language, that relationship. But we love Christ. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 16, 22, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. A Christian is somebody who loves Christ. Another way to say that, if you look at those two verses that I just shared, another way to say that, if anyone does not obey the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Because obedience comes from genuine love for Christ. Not perfect obedience, but a pattern of obedience. Transformed heart, a transformed life. Faith and obedience are always connected in the Scripture. John 3.36 John the Baptist says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. So the picture of the true Christian is that he, he does, he digs deep. He's concerned about what God's Word says. How can I be saved from my sins? Yes, I recognize I'm a sinner 
And I need mercy. What does God's Word say? He goes to the Scriptures. He's saved. It produces a life of obedience. That's what this rock is, guys. This rock in this context, it's not even just Christ. It's, it's Christ and His Word and obedience to His Word. It's that life built upon Jesus. And, and, and He talks about the torrent at the end of that verse. The torrent... Right, the flood, And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. It was built upon the rock. So we could, obviously we could see that with a house and everything. But this torrent, this storm, right? This, this storm, it could be the, the trials and temptations of this life could cause a person to fall away. But even if, even if they somehow outwardly appear to not fall away in this life, will they stand on the judgment day? That's the question. We'll talk about that more here in a moment. But it says it could not shake it. The torrent burst against the house and could not shake it. In other words, beloved, saving faith is a gift from God and it will endure to the end. Amen? Amen. Saving faith will endure to the end. The language of Jeremiah 32.40 to finish out this point here. This promise that we have from the Lord really speaking about the new covenant. He said, I will put the fear of me. Okay, This is speaking to all those who are regenerate, all those who are born again. The Lord says, I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. I love that verse. Beloved, if you're a Christian, you will endure to the end, not because you're so strong, but because God has put His fear in your heart that you may not turn from Him. He has given you His Spirit. He has given you a new heart. He will, he will preserve you to the end. So like John says, right? 1 John 2.19, they went out from us. Why? Because they were not of us. If they, were, if they would have been of us, they would have continued with us. But they're going out. Just prove they were never of us. That's, the, that's what He's saying here. No, God is the author of our salvation from predestination to glorification. The golden chain. All you contribute to your salvation is the sin that you bring. That's all we contribute. Lord, here's my sin. That's why Christ was nailed to the cross. He was wounded what? For His transgressions? No, for our transgressions. Praise God. He was wounded for our transgressions. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace with God. We can have peace with God now because Jesus paid for our sin upon the cross. So if you don't know Him today, today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Come to Him by faith. Come to Him. Repent. Don't play the hypocrite. Don't play the pretender. He is the one and only sacrifice. And He says, come. Come to Me. Come to Me. Stop playing games. I did that when I was 22 years old by His grace. I was this man. I was the deceived man that we're going to see next. So if it's you, oh, look to him. Look to him today. Let's look at the pretender, verse 49. The pretender, the title of the message, are you a pretender? We see a lot of pretenders out, you're right, in our culture. They're everywhere. Pretenders, religious hypocrites, people that are deceived. Look at verse 49. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like the man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. 
So basically everything we just said about this first individual, the true Christian, this guy's just the opposite. This person, he doesn't take God's Word serious, right? You're out there preaching the Gospel. You're sharing the Gospel with somebody. I got my own way, right? I got my own way to God. There is a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs tells us, 14.12. But its end is the way to destruction. That's somebody who... who, They haven't dug deep. (laughs) They don't care what God's Word says. They got their own way. And usually that way is, I'm just a good old guy. I'm a good person. God would never send me to hell. I'm a good person. I go to church. I go to church. I give some money every now and then. I do this. I do that. Everything is I, I, I. There's no digging deep. There's no considering. No, no, what has God said? What has God said in the matter? That's what matters. Let's look at the Scriptures. What does God say? There's no digging deep. There's no honest self-examination. And so when there's no honest self-examination, there's no need to repent. What do I need to repent of? I'm a good man. I'm a good person. I'm religious. It's the person who's self-deceived. Sadly, it's the person who's deceived by many other people, including men who call themselves preachers. Because they won't preach the Word of God. They won't tell a person what God's Word says about their sin. They won't warn people that Jesus said that if you don't repent, you will perish. They don't warn about Judgment Day. I mean, why should we fear, right? There's no Judgment Day. There's no hell. All of these things, they produce a person who's deceived, right? Hey, pray the prayer. How many people in here want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Pray this little magic formula. No explanation of the Gospel. No explanation of sin. No explanation of repentance. Sign the card and you're in. Can I, I can't even count the amount of people who have, who have cussed me out for simply trying to explain the Gospel to them all the while saying, I'm a better believing Christian than you are because I got saved at church camp when I was five. This is the, this is the true pandemic in our land. False conversions are everywhere because we have so many churches preaching a false gospel. Prayer, prayer, sign a card, these type of things with many people still on the broad road headed to destruction. Deceived. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 real quickly, guys. Paul, Paul deals with this issue. Of this whole idea of being deceived, guys. Paul deals with this issue in three or four of his letters. But here in Ephesians 5, we see it. We'll, look at, we'll read verses 5 through 10. Ephesians 5, 5 through 10. It says this For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person. Or a covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And then listen to these words in verse 6. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Stop there for just a moment. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Right? Oh no, man. 
Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you, you can live with your boyfriend and girlfriend. You can practice fornication. You can be enslaved, enslaved to pornography. You're, you're good, man. You're good. Did you pray the prayer when you were young? Don't let anyone deceive you. Paul says with empty words. These empty words are sand. This is not my word. This is God's word. We're not talking about sinless perfection. But is there a desire to obey Christ? For because of these things, those things that he just mentioned, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That's what's coming for the child of disobedience. If, the, if a person's life is, is characterized by disobedience, the wrath of God's coming. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. John says in his, in his epistle, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, He says we lie. Do not practice the truth. What is our walk like, guys? What is our walk? That means the, the characterization of our life. What, habitually, what is our walk? What is our walk? Is it habitually darkness or habitually light? Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's, that's the picture of the Christian. <laughs> Habitually, generally speaking, a, full, a life full of goodness, righteousness, and truth. And verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Like that sums it up. A Christian is somebody who tries to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. When you become a Christian, you become a new creature. And your whole desire is, I want to please the Lord. And so, how do we know how to please the Lord? We get in His Word. We heed His Word. Jesus said, the one who abides in My Word is My, is my true disciple. And so, are, are you, so we have to ask ourselves, right? Are, are you still in darkness? Or are you in the light? Do you have a desire to please the Lord? This man in verse 49, this pretender, will fall away. Either by, sometimes they'll fall away in this life, it'll be revealed who they really were, through, through trials and temptation. We see that in the parable of the soils. You remember? The stony ground here, it says he believes. He responds to the gospel. Outwardly, it looks like, yeah, this guy's in. It says he even has joy for a while. It says, but then when trials or persecution comes because of the word, he falls away. But there's some people who make it outwardly, visibly, to the rest of the, the church. Yeah, this guy, yeah, he's for real. Remember, all the, all the disciples thought Judas was for real. He said, one of you will betray me. What did they do? Oh, yeah, we know it's Judas. No. They said, who is it, Lord? Is, is it me? So the same thing could happen. with the, Maybe you don't outwardly fall away in this life, but it's the storm. It's the torrent the flood of God's judgment that will come on that day that we saw in Matthew 7 where the truth will be revealed. I never knew you. So ultimately, the storm, ultimately the storm is judgment day. That's what it ultimately is. But it could be the storms of this life that a person might, may fall away. He 
He hasn't dug deeply. He hasn't dug deeply in the Scriptures. He doesn't care what God says in His Word. How many times do you see that? Professing Christians. And you bring up what the Word of God says. I remember ministering to a, a family years ago in our home. A, a mother and father of a, a friend of our, one of our sons and was trying to minister to this guy who is a professing Christian. And I said, well, let, 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 me, let me show you what the Scripture says. He says, I don't care what the Scripture says. It's a professing Christian. Not long after that, he had a heart attack and died. But that's what this mindset is. If you're a Christian, of course you care what the Scriptures say. It's a mere profession of faith, guys. Titus 1.16, there are those who profess to know God. That means with their lips. But they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So a mere profession means absolutely nothing. So in closing, guys, what foundation are you building on? That's what, that's, that's what we see here. What foundation are you building on? Rock or sand? Do you just like hearing the Gospel? Or maybe you don't even like that, you just pretend you do. It reminds me of the man that... Uh, Last Wednesday night, whenever uh, Wesley and myself and uh, Daniel went down to the Thunder game, and I started us off preaching, and there's this one gentleman down there that was hanging around. John was his name. Professing Christian. He kept saying, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Was slopping drunk. With no remorse, by the way. He, it wasn't like he was, I'm a Christian, but I've been struggling. None of that. It was just slopping drunk. I love Jesus. Da 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 da. And it was really amazing. He stood around for like 30 minutes and listened to me preach and like was friendly. He, liked, he didn't mind hearing the Word. But there was no verse 48 or verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my Word and acts on them. This man needs to repent. I told him, I said, Sir, John, several times, John, the Bible says drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And there's other things going on in his life as well that we discussed. That's, the, that's it. John thinks he's going to heaven. And our culture is full of these people. It says the ruin of that house was great. In verse 49. The ruin of that house was great. Obviously, when we think about you know, the picture he's given, the floods in those, those parts of the world, these mountainous desert regions you know, where it's so dry and these floods would come and the water would come down through these, through these dry riverbeds and just... If your house wasn't built on a good foundation, it was gone. So they would have known what he was talking about. But he's saying the ruin, the ruin of that soul was great in verse 49. This pretender, this pretender, the ruin of that soul was great. Do, you, do, we, do we understand how precious a soul is? Do you understand how precious your soul is? I mean, Jesus said, what would it profit a man if he gained the entire world and lost his soul? A soul that drops into hell. Hell is described as not a million years of destruction, eternal destruction. Did you know there are no exits in hell? You know, you can go most buildings, you see an exit sign. There's no exits in hell place where the smoke of the torment goes up how long forever and ever 
and ever, and they have no rest day or night. No, dear friend, if you want rest, Jesus offers rest now. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is now. Come to Christ and find rest now. Come and find it today. The hour is almost here. This day is coming. Every one of us will be there. This day is coming. What a, what a tragedy it will be for those who have sat in church, for those who have sat in biblical churches and heard the gospel their whole life and to, and to cry out, Lord, Lord, and have said, Depart from me. I never knew you. There was never truly repentance in your life. You were playing the hypocrite, you were a pretender. Are you a true Christian? That's the question. Are you a true Christian? Is that evidenced by, by you living a life that's being sanctified? What we talked about in those paragraphs in the confession. Is your life, is it being sanctified? Do you have a love for Christ? Is it, is it making you more like Christ? You've got a long way to go. But praise God, you have a simple, childlike faith and love for Christ. He is your love. And when you do fall and you do sin, your heart is broken, your heart is grieved. That's the picture of the Christian. The picture of the hypocrite is it's all show. It's the mask that's on the front of your boy. It's a mask. You're playing the hypocrite. You're a play actor. Repent and believe today. God commands. He doesn't suggest. He commands all people everywhere to repent. Because He has fixed the day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man in whom He has appointed Jesus Christ. And of this He has given assurance to all that He will judge the world by raising Him from the dead. So look to Christ. Call upon His name today. And Christian, be encouraged by this. Be encouraged to be reminded of what a true Christian looks like. And if you have assurance, rejoice. And be reminded that don't fall. Don't fall for the easy believism that's out there. Don't fall for the, don't fall for the lies that people come with. Oh man, you guys are preaching repentance. You don't have to repent to be saved. Jesus said if you don't repent, you'll perish. Repentance is a gift from God. It's a gift the true Christian does repent because it's granted by God. So I'll just stop there. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, Lord. Thank You for this warning, God. Father, we can't avoid these passages when we go through the text. And Lord, we thank You for this great, this great sermon that our Lord preached 2,000 years ago. And we thank of all the people that have been brought into Your kingdom from this sermon. Father, I pray that You'll use it in some small way in our, our little church, Lord, to sanctify, to sanctify us, God. We are sanctified when we hear Your Word. Sanctified when we hear Your Gospel, God. Father, if there is somebody who, who's not, who has not entered the kingdom in our midst, Father, I, I pray that You would grant repentance. I pray that You would save. I pray that they would look to You in desperation, God. They would bow the knee. They would come to Christ. Father, for those who may listen to this, those who may hear it, Lord, use it for Your glory, God. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your kindness, God. Thank You, Lord, that You truly do. You truly do transform hearts. You, you truly do save, not only forgive, not only justify, Father, but You do sanctify. 
You give us new hearts and you begin to change us. We, we're no longer the same people. And God, we look forward to that day where we are glorified. Thank you for our salvation, Father. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.